When I was a kid, I was scared of roller coasters. I was scared of Ferris wheels. But you systematically take that one step out, out you know, outside. You push harder, push harder, push harder, and that zone keeps growing. Till and and also, and not just the zone keeps growing and the edge gets further, but you become the kind of person that keeps doing that. What's shaking? We're back today with Akshay Nanavati. Welcome back, dude. Thank you, brother. Appreciate you having me back, man. Yeah, you bet. So here's the thing. We talked, it was actually about a month ago or two or a couple months or three months ago, something like that, yeah, right? Yeah. But these episodes are publishing a week apart. So everyone who is listening right now should go back to last week's if they didn't listen to it and listen to part one. Right, because it was just a week ago today that that the first episode was published. But we talked about a lot of things. We talked about Firvana, you know, which is incredible, just an amazing, amazing book you have. Uh, your your background from drug addiction, PTSD, and how you overcome that, living on the edge, you know, how you spend seven days in darkness. We talked about a lot of things, man, <laughs> just a lot of stuff. But then yeah. you went off and you went off to Antarctica, right, for two months. Yep. Now you're back. And that's what we're talking about, because you yes, lived sir. on the edge for two months, dude. What did you do? Right? So yeah, the mission in Antarctica. I went to Antarctica, and the goal was to ski up this this glacier called the Axel Heiberg Glacier. It's a very remote, highly challenging, extremely crevassed glacier. It's the first. It's the glacier where Roald Amundsen. He's the first man to reach the South Pole 110 years ago. He skied up to reach the South Pole. Went went from the edge of the coastline to a place called the Bay of Whales. So we were to start at the ice shelf, a place called the Ross Ice Shelf, go up the Axel Heiberg and ski to the South Pole, kind of following in Roald Amundsen's footsteps. And this is a very remote part of the world. Like only uh, at this point, me and my team, we finished climbing the glacier. We became only one of 26 human beings to ever have made this climb. And to give you context, over 4,000 people have climbed Everest, you know? So it's extremely remote. It was steep climbing and soft snow. And we'll go a little deeper as we talk about it. The plan did not go entirely as you know, as, as we anticipated, I was, I, I finished climbing the glacier, but on day 17, I had to be evacuated because of pretty severe frostbite on my fingers. So I did not end up reaching the South pole, but nonetheless, I got to experience three weeks out there. And the reason it was two months, cause a lot of time hmm. you're like waiting in Chile to get to Antarctica, waiting in Antarctica for a good weather window. Antarctica is a savage place, man. The, <laughs> the, 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 the like being in a polar storm is one of the most hostile, unforgiving inhospitable environments a human being can endure and so i was blessed to experience that beyond the frostbite i got a wind burn here a wind burn slight wind burn here so antarctica left some worthy battle scars but that was the original plan and we can go a little deeper into it as we go that but that was the mission of why i went out there incredible man i mean i know you just brushed over it briefly (laughs) you know when we talked uh, in the first episode we did yeah but you know most people listen to this through audio, but you know, I'm looking at actually right now and you've got, it looks like, what are those things are on your fingers? I'm assuming from the frost, oh, but I see are, the wind burn on your, on your cheek, on your temple. Yeah, wind burn on my face. These are bandages around my fingers. Two of these fingers are very, very black. I will more than likely lose the tips of two of them. And, uh, and I mean, cause they're just, the cells are dead. 
This one is not mm. so bad. This this is a myth of victory. Give the gesture, but uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> we're right, right back. <laughs> right back, exactly. I look That's like I'm walking around doing this. That's all <laughs> Exactly. I have this big white one on my middle finger. Yeah. So uh, this one's not so bad. It'll recover. These two, I will lose more than likely. I will lose the tips of two of them. And the thing is, you know, I was. It was on day seventeen. And I don't, I wasn't doing anything reckless. I wasn't walking around with no gloves on, holding metal or anything like that. And it's not my first cold weather expedition. So I'm not exactly sure to this day. I, I reviewed, I sort of analyzed it a great deal and I'm not sure what caused it, you know, but it was on the seventh hour of the 17th day where this particular finger, the, where this is the right middle, uh, the right ring finger, which is the worst one. It just got rock hard. And I was in my mittens kind of trying to shake the finger to try to warm it up. Cause usually the way it works out there, the polar life is, you're skiing for one hour and you take a 10 minute break to eat some food, drink some water, pee, and then you continue. So when you stop, you get cold pretty rapidly, especially above the, uh, above the glacier. On the glacier itself, it wasn't too cold, relatively speaking, of course, but wasn't too cold. The challenge on the glacier was more soft snow and steep climbing, which was pretty savage in its own right. But as soon as you get to the top of the glacier and you're on the rest of like the polar plateau in Antarctica, the winds hammer to you. And that's how mm. the wind burn happened because I was putting on my goggles instead of my sunglasses and I left a gap. This one was totally my fault. The wind burn was my fault. But this one, you know, not sure how it happened. And and so when I was going about the breaks, when you, when you stop, you get cold, especially on the polar plateau. And then as you start going, you kind of warm up. So at no point earlier in the day or even at all in the expedition did these three fingers like get cold. So I still don't know what caused it, but I do know what I can do better. And now I will have to do it better because once you get frostbite, you're that much more prone to frostbite. And I am going back to Antarctica this year to do a 40 day solo expedition uh, where I'll be actually the first American to have completed this particular solo expedition of 111, uh, sorry, 1100, 1100 kilometers uh, from Hercules Inlet to the South Pole. So I'm heading back this year to do a solo expedition and I will have to be perfect out there because now there's, I can't afford to be anything less than that. And to me, that's a gift. Like when I look at my frostbite, I believe it's a tremendous gift because now I have to be perfect in Antarctica. And when the environment demands perfection out of you, you have to be the absolute best version of yourself in order to thrive in that, in order to just survive in an environment like Antarctica. So when the environment demands so much out of me, I have to be a better version of myself. And that's a gift to experience that journey. So I'm grateful for it. I'm thriving in it. It hasn't broken my spirit and I'll be back out there soon enough, man. Dude, that's incredible. We'll get to the amazing insanity that you have in a, in a bit, right? <laughs> but first, badass, right? That you're now the Thank 27th you. person to do this. Just incredible. One of 26, yeah. One, one of 26 when, you know, 4,000 people have climbed Everest and you're now one of 26 that has climbed this great glacier in Antarctica. Mm -hmm. Second, in a lot of what you said, man, there's so many metaphors that I'm picking up in, in, in what you're saying, you know, how your rhythms that you had, how you had to stop for a bit and pee, you know, but then if you stop too long, you're going to get cold. And then in essence, you just die. That, that's quite literally, right? I'm thinking business. I'm thinking relationships. I'm thinking life because isn't that how it is? Because there's so many that will just decide to just sit on their ass and be complacent with where they're at and not change a damn thing with what yeah. they're doing and just let life come at them rather than them going at life. Absolutely, brother. I mean, like, yeah, I mean, to your point, Antarctica is a great place to to gain the lessons and to experience like the lessons translate to all areas of your life. But because it's in such an extreme savage environment, it kind of amplifies it, right? Because there's consequences clearly, right? Frostbite, three fingers, potential death. Uh, so it, it amplifies everything and it teaches you 
to be the best version of yourself. Like as another example, when we pack our tent, when we, when we, when we put up our tent every day, when we take down the tent every day, everything has to be done the exact same way. So you follow a system, you follow a process, you follow a ritual or things can go wrong. Just like in a business, right? You follow a system, you follow a process. We have a morning rituals out there. One of the reasons why I love it is the consequences are severe and, in, and immediate. So if I don't set my tent up, right, the wind will take it away, you know, and that could mean potential death, right? So the the consequences are very very immediate and you feel that as are as are the rewards like setting up the tent and getting out the wind it is heavenly you know so the rewards are immediate whereas in this world this like in psychologists actually call it a delayed return environment versus an immediate return environment antarctica the savagery is an immediate return meaning the consequences are immediate and the rewards are immediate in this world i could work my ass off my business i don't know if the rewards are going to ex- exactly happen tomorrow maybe five months from now and at the same time let's say like every day i wake up and i check instagram you know i might check it for five days five minutes not the end of the world right but there are consequences it's shaping my neurological pathways in my brain and it's shaping that and over time that is having a consequence yeah. so the fact of the matter is the consequences are there. We just don't feel it as immediate in this world. But when I come back from Antarctica, like one of my core mantras that I'm constantly repeating myself is that everything I do now, there are consequences to it. And I'm reminding myself of it. I might not feel it today. I might not feel it tomorrow, but there are consequences as there are rewards for taking the right action, right? So Antarctica is just a beautiful teaching ground for the human experience, man, for life, for business, for success, for joy, for whatever it is you seek. You get to play on those edges and you find something that you can bring back in a way that you can't, unless you go like, unless I get to, and that's why I'm very blessed to experience those edges. That's awesome. And you're already going back too, aren't you? You already planned Absolutely, that? Absolutely, man. <laughs> I'm going back. So I have quite an expedition schedule for this year. In May, I'm going into- That's your so solo one you were talking about. Yeah, that's one yeah. of them. I was actually supposed to go to the Arctic in March for four to six weeks. That had to be canceled because of the frostbite. But now I'm moving that to the following year. In May, I'm actually going back. We talked, I think we talked about last time, the, the darkness retreat. So in May, I'm going back to 10 days in darkness this time. Last time I did seven. And then I'm doing uh, June, I'm going diving in the Galapagos. That's just more of a chill trip. And then in October, I do a 22-day ski crossing at the Patagonian ice cap, followed immediately by the 40 days solo in Antarctica. That's so awesome. Dude, I like how, you, how you're inserting a chill trip in there too. You know, uh, I, I like diving is like just one of more and more it's, yeah. more it's it's i mean i love it i love experiencing nature in that way in the water but it's more chill compared to like the hostility of like polar exploration you well, know sure. <laughs> yeah <laughs> maybe a little bit but yes <laughs> slightly but then, exactly yeah. your chill is like everybody else because i mean uh, down there you get sharks you get <laughs> exactly you know, freaking jellyfish yeah exactly right on yeah that's exactly it so i mean it's not exactly super chill i wouldn't call that but it's, it's beautiful <laughs> relatively yeah right exactly. on you still have to be on your game but it, how do you determine that rhythm for yourself because you're a very process oriented and you know rhythmic ritualistic individual which is amazing and that's how, how you run your life that's cool i'm guilty of this man is i a lot of times i don't take time to slow down enough and i, I hate the phrase slow down because i really feel that if you're not growing you're dying and i also feel oh, that you know, it, it, fr- from your example here today you know it's like if you stop moving or when you stop moving you get cold you know yeah. whatever that is whatever scenario you're in you know they use that cold yeah. as like a metaphoric symbolic yeah. word you get cold when you stop moving <laughs> so you're going to the galapagos that, that's great but what how do you determine hey maybe i'm gonna you know just go maybe slightly less crazy this time <laughs> yeah no good 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 question you know for me it's like when i look i have a compass that is my north star in life 
And I want to experience all edges of the human experience. You know, I want to go into all frontiers. Nature is an absolutely profound and beautiful playground to explore the human soul. Mm. It is, of course, you know, it, 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 it's, it's, it's not just exploring myself in nature. It's exploring the human soul because you tap into a spirit that transcends you as an, as an individual. You tap into the spirit of, of what the human animal is capable of, what the human potential is you know, and how limitless that truly is. So that's why nature is a, is a beautiful playground for me. But in terms to answer that question, like why that trip, like I love diving and it's just, it's to me, it's, it's a really cool alien world to explore and nature in all its context with it, it's water. Water is a very different animal than land because we're not like many of these places we're not designed for. Antarctica, we are not designed for. Like there's no life in Antarctica, right? Other than sort of penguins in the coast, in the center of Antarctica, there is no life. Like it is unforgiving to man. We are not designed to survive or thrive there. But even water, like that's not our comfort zone. Man walks on land, right? Like we walk on land. So when you go into this, it's very humbling. And I love the spiritual journey that all of these different playgrounds in nature, I get to experience by going there. So as far as how I choose it, I'm just looking for what that, where's the next cool playground to experience the intensity of life, man? Like I've been blessed. I've lived a lot of life in my 37 years and I just want to keep going, man. Like I, I firmly believe like you, if you're not growing, you're dying. And so my North star is like, like, this is the words that I want written on my tombstone. He wandered the world with human heart to doctor the sick with human soul. And I didn't come up with that. That's based on Carl Jung's quote. And the quote that essentially what he, what he said, how it goes is, is if anyone wants to know anything about the human psyche, it would be best to abandon scholar's gown and wander with human heart throughout the world. There he would reap richer stores of knowledge than textbooks a foot thick could give him, and he would know how to doctor the sick with the true knowledge of the human soul. So based on that, like I look at my life and my book, Fearvana, ends with that extended version of that quote. That's how I choose. I, I go wander. Like I wander. Nature is a playground. Again, it's it seems like I'm not exploring humanity, but you really are because you're exploring yourself through nature as a vehicle. And, but it's not just nature. Like that's why I went to Liberia to run, uh, you know, 167 miles run across Liberia and I volunteered post-conflict zones. So I'm exploring just all these edges of the human experience. And I come back with a wisdom that you cannot get in a book. Like it's great to read books. It's great to go through podcasts. You learn, you get ahas, but the greatest lessons lie in the arena. You know, you're in the arena in your arena, right? In the battleground of life, that's where the lessons lie. And so I'm looking for that next battleground, looking for that next, that next edge to keep confronting. And um, Galapagos just happens to be like a little bit more chill compared to the other, other of it, but it's just also just going to be a really cool experience. Like National Geographic calls it one of the best dives in the world. And so I just can't wait to see nature in such a unique way, you know? That's awesome. I was just reading the other day, you know, because Captain Cook's ship was found apparently or something like that, you know, and what was I watching the other day? And this was in, I think it was off the coast of Australia, somewhere around there. But I was also looking at, you know, the sea and everything. I'm like, that's like a whole nother world down there. Yeah. You know, something that we haven't really explored much yet because we, exactly. we don't have the tech yet. We don't have people that are just brave enough to even go after it, you know, <laughs> and we're looking at space and I've always been a sci-fi guy. You know, I, I yeah. one of my best memories as a kid was watching Star Trek, the next generation with my dad, you know, right. they're just phenomenal. Yeah. But then as I'm looking at this now, it's like, we've got so much more to even explore here on the planet. You know, the species of Absolutely. things that we haven't even discovered yet because we haven't yeah. had the, the balls to go after that down there, you know, and, and here we're looking out to space and that's grand and everything, you know, but why don't we look both directions, you know, at, at everything that's around right. us and taking our entire environment. You know, I appreciate yeah. what you're doing, man. Here's my question yeah, on this. Right. How do you decide when it is to go on one of the trips that's less intense? 
versus just going balls out and after just craziness like climbing a glacier <laughs> it's uh I guess it's somewhat intuitive. Like usually like, like right now, all of these Antarctic trips and the polar exploration trips are training for a very particular trip. So my primary focus right now is polar exploration because I'm training for a never before accomplished feat in 2023. It's going to be legendary. Like in many polar, like it's, it's, it's often called borderline impossible, you know? So that's why my, my core focus right now is, is polar exploration. And that's why everything is oriented towards that. Going back to Antarctica, uh, crossing the Patagonian ice cap, going back to the Arctic for six weeks back in the spring of next year. So all towards polar exploration, aiming towards this feat. Uh, and then Galapagos is just like, again, one of those kind of cool things to do. But even the darkness retreat is I'm going in there because I'm training for this feat. I'll be spending 40 days th this year solo in Antarctica. It's a savage place to be completely isolated and alone. So I'm going back into the darkness to master that solitude. I'm pretty good at it. I've spent seven days in darkness, but there's always more room to grow, right? So I'm constantly looking for that edge right now with a very clear compass of what I'm training for. And then I will look at like every once in a while, like balancing out with, with the maybe just a cool, like a cool, unique trip. I mean, to me, the trip has to be something that's going to it's like it's going to be a new life experience in some way. Mm. I'm not looking to just go sit on my sat, sit on my ass on a beach. And look, there's nothing wrong with that. If that's like your thing, awesome. Like you do you, everybody got to yeah. do what they do, right? That's hard but for me to do. Yeah, man. Like, if I'm going, yeah, if I'm <laughs> going to go to go beach, I'll probably go diving. You know, yeah. <laughs> so that kind of thing. So that's it's it's not necessarily like a hard and fast set in stone. But as far as like why I love polar exploration among others is because. There's, there's a great way to summarize it. Well, a, a very famous polar explorer from back in the day, he put it beautifully when he said, polar exploration is at once the cleanest and most isolated way of having a bad time that has been devised. <laughs> and I love that quote. That's fantastic. It, exactly. <laughs> it, is, it beautifully summarizes what polar exploration is. And I've experienced like mountain climbing, ultra running, being in the Marines, like a lot of life, right? And nothing compares to the level of suffering that you endure in polar exploration. And so that as par as weird as that might sound, that's the draw because here's the thing. It's, uh, it's not the suffering in and of itself that I seek. The suffering is the means. It's not the purpose. The suffering is the method to get me to the transcendence of that suffering. And if polar exploration is the greatest suffering I can seek, inevitably, then it's the greatest transcendence that I can seek because of that. So why I go, what draws me to these worlds of like, and why is polar exploration so miserable? Because it is a relentless, constant grind. In mountaineering, for example, you sometimes take days to acclimatize. So you'll maybe rest in the tent because you, you need to acclimatize. Or when you're going up and down the mountain, the terrain looks different, you know? And, and there's like a dynamic nature to it. In polar exploration, especially on the polar plateau of the ice cap, every day looks the exact same. And it is a relentless grind. Every day you are out there for eight to 12 hours a day, and you are just grinding it out on this brutal, monotonous work. Whereas like in climbing, for example, when you're on steep terrain, because I've done a lot of climbing as well, you know, the, the environment demands you to be completely focused. Like I was climbing Denali, where you're on this tight ridge, and on each side is a 2000 foot drop. So inevitably, the environment forces you to be completely focused. And there's something beautiful about that, that I love too. I also enjoy mountaineering. But in Antarctica, you don't have that. Like, the focus and the flow, it has to be brought upon you consciously because there's just empty white nothingness, right? So there's the environment doesn't demand you to be in flow. You have to bring your mind center to endure the monotony, to endure the stillness. And I love that process of going through that challenge because it allows me to open new doors within my soul that I could never have gone to before. You know, and inevitably when you open new doors, you discover new treasures. So the suffering, like battling the dragon is a necessary 
it's a necessary fight to get to those treasures. And so I have to go through those sufferings. I have to experience that in order to get the treasure. And that's what I love about Antarctica, man. It is just this raw, all-powerful, savage, unforgiving place that is not designed for man. And because it is not designed for us to thrive, we have to find something within ourselves to thrive out there. We have to tap mm. into something greater than, than, than what we think we're capable of in order to thrive in such an unforgiving world. And it's, it's tremendous, that journey of discovery and tapping into the, the limitlessness of the human spirit. Dude, that's incredible. You said that you have to climatize too. How, how long does that take when you climb? So that was in Mount in mountaineering, like yeah. in, in polar exploration, you, we, you're not acclimatizing as much because you're not dealing with significant altitudes like that. Sure, sure. Like when we got to the top of the glacier, we were, uh, we were at, what was it? I think about 3,100 meters, 9,000 feet. So not significantly high, high enough that we just felt a little out of breath on the hard day for that one day, but you're not like acclimatizing per se, like you would on mountains yeah. on Denali. Like I've been up to 21,000, just under 21,000 feet in Nepal. And out there, you know, you, you, you start feeling the altitude a good bit. Oh, <laughs> on sure. Polar exploration. Thin air. Yeah. Like, hard to breathe. Exactly. exactly. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. How long does but that take little, though? I'm curious. Cause I mean, I, I travel to not 21,000 feet, but I mean, even just going from, you know, Chicago to Denver, or Chicago to park city or something yeah. like that, you know, when you get out there, I mean, even just climbing a flight of steps, you're, you're winded a bit. I've never been mountaineering, yeah. you know, but it, it, it takes a little bit to get it adjusted. Sure. It, you, you will feel it. And it's, it's hard to say exactly. It's one of those things that to this day, like researchers don't exactly know the answer. Altitude is very, very different every, I mean, I've been on one mountain where I was at 21,000 feet, like crushed it. Next time I went up to 18,000 feet and I was, I had severe altitude headaches, you know? So it's one of those things that we don't really know what causes it, wh how long mm. it takes. Everybody's body's different. There's some mountaineers who have a savage physiology. They're just more adapt and designed. You know, I have a blood disorder that transports less oxygen, about 25 to 30% less oxygen through my bloodstream than a normal guy. Wow. That's less than ideal for anybody, let alone an extreme athlete at yeah. my level, right? So, that probably contributed so to your frostbite too. You know, I asked the docs that and they said they don't know because there's just not that much data. It's like frostbite's a very niche injury. Like not a lot of people, people are getting it. <laughs> Nobody specializes in frostbite. <laughs> it's not a lot of doctors. And, and certainly I don't know how many people who would who have like have my blood disorder and then gotten frostbite, you know? Yeah. So the doc was just kind of like, I can't, I don't know for sure if that was, but it certainly doesn't help, you know? Like yeah, not yeah. having 25 to 30% less oxygen flowing through your body is less than ideal. But you know how it is, man. You're not going to, you don't let your biology, your biology doesn't shape you, right? It's not going to shape yeah. your guts. Yeah. I mean, two doctors told me that same blood disorder would kill me in Marine Corps boot camp, and they were hematologists. They were blood doctors. Wow. Obviously, boot camp did not kill me. I not only survived, I graduated infantry school as the honor graduate. So, you know, your mind can transcend whatever it is. You're, you're, we all have some shit we were, have to deal with. Like, life is not always fair. You got to transcend that, and you can create something more if you put in the work and you put in the, you know, put in the effort. Nobody has a fair life, man. At, at least exactly. nobody should have a fair life. I'll put it that way, because if you if you haven't had the adversity, you know, you know, maybe yeah. you don't have anything like a blood disorder like you do, you know, or maybe someone doesn't have to where their dad died when I was 16 or whatever else we went through or whatever Joe oh, down man. the street went through. You know, if you look yeah. back at your life like, oh, this was pretty easy sailing or whatever, you're doing something fucking wrong. Okay, <laughs> because you're not challenging yourself. You're not pushing yourself to where you can push past mediocrity and you're just happy with the day in the day out, which means mm -hmm. that you really stopped moving and you got cold. Now you got to warm back up again. Absolutely. And as I like to say, man, if you don't seek out a worthy struggle, struggle will find you anyway. One way or life, you're going to suffer. And the suffering of that existential dread of not doing anything with this reason why we are here on earth is 
far worse. And I've been there, man. We talked about it in our last thing, you know, on the verge of suicide, doing nothing but fucking drinking day after day after day. And that misery of not living up to who I know I can be, to mm-hmm. who each one of us can be, to the, 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 the human spirit, the human soul, it is far, far worse. And the thing is why sometimes people are so afraid to leap is because like, there's that saying that the devil you know is greater than the devil you don't. You know, so I will stay in this discomfort because I don't know what's out there in that discomfort. So we stay because what I've noticed and I've really discovered this is a lot of people are afraid of taking that risk for the high because they are afraid that if they take that risk, they will come crashing down and hit a low. And the fact is you fucking will, man. If you play on the edges, you're going to get burned, right? Like in some way or another, yeah. <laughs> you're going to get frostbite. Like I played in a hard place in a dangerous arena and there's fucking consequences. I got frostbite. So be it. I'm well aware that that's kind of shit is going to happen or potentially could happen if you play in that world, right? Am I going to stop? No, because the, the work, it's worth playing in those worlds because as I was saying, you know, like life out there is amplified to an intensity that is so beautiful and everything is experienced at, at this heightened way, which means out there, the highs are higher, but the lows are also lower. But the thing is, you cannot have a summit without a valley. Otherwise, life is a flat ground. And I think people stay in that flat zone because if, if I take a leap to try to strive for the summit, there's a good chance I will come crashing down in that valley. And you know what? Fuck that. I'm too scared to go into the valley. And the thing is, you can't experience the summit without the valley. So I play in a dangerous world. There's going to be lows. The lows I experience out there in the pain cave and all of this is brutal, but I would not trade that for a second. Like when I came back, man, I can't tell you how many people were like, you know, you're stupid. You're crazy. Why would you go back? What's wrong with you? And they don't get it. Like, why would I, I couldn't, I, I mean, I, I was telling you, I was planning my return to Antarctica on the evacuation flight. It not, not for one second, not even literally one second. Have I not thought about going back? Why would I not? I fell. We all get burnt, man. Life hits us. You yeah, build a business, yeah. you know that you get hit and you rise back up because it's in the rising that makes life this grand adventure, man. Like, and, and you got to view it as such, like it's the roller coaster of the human experience that makes it fun. Why would you want to live static if every day was the exact same? It's the roller coaster that that's why like on a, on a literal level, like that's why we enjoy roller coasters, right? That's the ride, man. That's life is like that. And, but the thing is, you got to play it that way. It's not going to just happen. You know, it's really cool now as I'm listening to you because uh, and everyone who's listening to us, it, I'll say it again, go back if you haven't and listen to part one, because the Akshay that we're all hearing right now is not the Akshay that has always been. You know, that's the, that's the best part of this man and why I'm so inspired by you for real, because hearing where you've come from, because that was a valley, right? That that was a valley that you're in just a deep valley and abyss, like, like death pretty much that that you were in. And man, I remember, I remember your story and that was a valley in essence that you for some, in some purposes, you really didn't choose. You know, mm-hmm. b- because mm-hmm. of where you were at, where you were placed with the military mm-hmm. and everything and the environment that was around. But in some parts, you probably did choose because you chose to do mm-hmm. that in the first place, right? But yeah. the cool yeah. thing is that there are things and there's people that will have external forces that come in, you know, that might not be your fault. You know, and, and yeah. that, that's perfectly okay. But you will get to a point, and this is why I'm, I'm contrasting, right, what we talked about in, in the first episode with you and I, is where you were you decided to make a choice. And from that moment on, you now get to choose your valleys. 
Yeah, you know, exactly. which is so cool because you're choosing your peaks and you're choosing your valleys. Yeah. You know, you're yeah. choosing your lows. I mean, your your peaks are a glacier, your valleys are the Galapagos Islands. You know, <laughs> it doesn't mean that stuff isn't going to pop up like frostbite or or anything else or you know the issues because of your blood disorder. But now you're choosing your lows because you're managing and choosing and deciding every bit of life and what it has to offer you and where you place yourself in the environment yeah. that surrounds you. Absolutely, dude. I'm and it. I, I feel like I've known you forever, you know, and I, I don't know, but uh, for in a lot of ways, I'm very proud of you, you know, and you and Thank I you. have only talked for like two hours ever in life, you know, <laughs> but I'm just so proud of you, man, because you're an inspiration to a lot of people and I, I just need to commend you and keep going after everything. You know, if you lose fingertips, you lose fingertips. Okay. Exactly. I'd rather lose fingertips. I'd rather lose a foot. I'd rather do whatever else, but you know, literally or metaphorically in life than just stay where I'm at and have exactly. life run me, right? Life is not against me. It's for me. And that's the part that we have to sit on. Yeah. I mean, when I look in the mirror and see the scar, when I look at this, to me, it's just worthy battle scars of a life well lived, man. When you're going to play all out, you'll get some scars, but scars are a testament to the story you know scars are the story of our of our adventure yeah. that is this life dude I've, I've blessed to have been like now be able to choose my suffering but you know now i have to take a lot of work to get here and i'm grateful now that i get to be in this space and for sure privilege. the suffering's a growth edge though you know that, that's all Absolutely. it is you know and th there's ways in unhealthy ways to where i would use i used to create chaos in my life right and that was part of the stuff that i had to go through and work through and get out of my life but now I still, there's still edges I like to dance with, you know, yeah. and it's only for growth. And it's to say, you know, the, the call right be, that I was on right before here, I'm like, guys, should we go after this? You know, it's a $22 million acquisition, you know, and here's me looking at building a billion dollar company and I'm looking at a $22 million acquisition to, to continue to, to climb that glacier. Right. And, and at this point, it's like 10 years ago, 11 years ago, I never would have done that. But not, yeah. not even a thought. It's like, that's not me. I just want to pay my mortgage. You know, th that yeah. was 10 years ago. That, that's it. But I, you have to keep going after things. You have to keep testing your limits in order to see cool. what is actually possible for you. And you might find that pretty much everything is possible. Exactly. That zone will keep expand, expanding on one inch at a time as you, and I like that you pointed out and highlighted that I wasn't always here, man. <laughs> and even, yeah, even in terms dude. of dealing with, when I was a kid, I was scared of roller coasters. I was scared of Ferris wheels, but you systematically take that one step out, out you know, outside, you push harder, push harder, push harder. And that zone keeps growing till, and, and also, and not just the zone keeps growing and the edge gets further, but you become the kind of person that keeps doing that. You know, because that now becomes normalized. Like I don't, I'm not fearless. I get ter I'm terrified at the prospect of spending 40 days solo in Antarctica. You know, it, it should be scary. Good. Fear yeah, exactly. places. <laughs> it absolutely should be scary, as I'm sure you are dealing with shit that you've never done before, right? And you're in, in the in the in the in the hills you're climbing. But that's what makes it worthwhile, you know. And so I'm not fearless. I'm just comfortable with the experience of fear, and that's why I keep facing it and keep seeking it. That next that next challenge is the next stage of growth. Right on, brother. I love it, man. Everybody needs to go buy your book for real fearvana.com and it's just it just has to be that way if you haven't read it yet you, you need to go check this out akshay's story listen to episode one from last week right but also go buy his book because just absolutely incredible man i, I love our conversations just you, you get me fired up thank you thank you <laughs> yeah thanks for coming back on too you know i wish we could have like an annual thing i want to keep in i want to keep doing this right after all your trips i'd love, love to, to keep having you on and keep talking about it. you inspire me man you really do thank you 
means a lot, man. I appreciate you saying that. And it would always be an honor to come back. I enjoy, enjoy our conversations as well. Just your <laughs> fire, I see, and I resonate with it. So it's very cool. Sweet, brother. <laughs> Thank you again. Appreciate it, brother.